Hello, I'm Roger Bisbee. Welcome to another one of my rants. There's some good news for a change. I heard recently that the government has announced that it's going to be appointing a building materials regulator. And that means they're going to appoint somebody. It's going to be a lord because it's always a lord or a lady, isn't it? They're never going to go and get a random builder. They're going to appoint somebody to oversee the safety of building materials. You might ask what this particular lord knows about the building industry. Well, it doesn't really matter does it because all he's got to do is knock about on site for six months try a bit of bricklaying have a bit of chat to builders bit of banter you know what i mean and then he'll be fully clued up on the subject a bit like george osborne you remember george osborne the chancellor when he used to go out on all those building sites grab the trowel do a little bit of bricklaying he loved it but basically that's as much as any of them really know about the subject a few seconds on site posing for the cameras with a trowel and then off they go shameful that the media collaborate in all this nonsense politicians demean themselves by going in for all this fakery the building regulator is supposed to stop things like Grenfell Tower happening the disaster where obviously that whole thing went up in flames it is largely being blamed on the cladding they're saying that the tests weren't suitable for the product they were actually fitting and that the whole thing was flammable we know the rest anyway it is just a case in point where we have a cladding put onto a building but let's just go back a bit let's just let's just wind the clock back when I was a kid there was a Prime Minister called Harold Wilson used to smoke a pipe very intelligent fella actually and he decided that we needed to build more homes top marks for you Harold he thought well what do we do we've got to build these places fast we've got to build them cheap we've got to get people into the houses he threw up all the people that were in charge threw up a load of very very shoddy 60s built housing if you're living in one you'll know exactly what I mean and of course he also threw up some tower blocks and actually he got himself a few experts together and he consulted them but he said don't worry Harold we can build this system where we just use a lot of panels and we just stack them up and we don't need a, a steel frame or a structure or anything like that very very quick to build we'll have people in those houses they love them so Harold said well go on let's do that then so they were kind of making it up as they went along really because these prefabricated concrete panels that had hoops in them and they had holes and you're supposed to bolt them together well the builder said that when they tried to bolt them together the bolts didn't line up with the holes the golden rule of the building industry of course is if in doubt leave it out so where these might have had 10 bolts per panel holding them on sometimes they had as few as two whatever they could get in they got in and actually one of these panels actually fell off one of these high-rise buildings because of that but the rest of it was a disaster because what we had is gaps and we had rain coming in and we had draft coming in and of course these were concrete they were solid concrete they couldn't breathe they just trapped the moisture inside so not only was the rain coming in from outside but we were getting condensation in these properties and they were very hard to heat a lot of them got ripped down you know they were just a bad experiment but of course we had other similar high-rise buildings we got blocks of flats all over the country and of course somebody had the great idea that you know what we ought to do with these buildings we ought to warm them up a bit we can warm them up by putting on external wall insulation and while we're at it we can clad that we can put it some nice aluminium panels on the outside of it make them multicolored, make the whole thing very bright very gay so all we've got to do is add 
the external wall insulation that will keep them warm stop the condensation lower the heating bills what's not to like what we subsequently found out is that they were using flammable materials to do this and that wouldn't be so bad if they actually put fire stops in between each floor so you know how it works fire the triangle you need oxygen you need a flame or heat and uh, you need something to burn so you've got the something to burn and you've obviously got a little fire that starts in the flat here fridge freezer or whatever it was washing machine tumble dryer you name it there's a million ways to go gets out through the window frames and up it goes and of course if you've got these fire stops the only thing it can do is burn that panel out there and that will extinguish because basically it runs out of oxygen it's no harm done you've got to go and replace a panel because maybe and i'm not saying in the case of grenfell tower but definitely in many other cases with houses flats and all sorts of places timber frame buildings particularly they didn't put these fire stops in because they were following that golden rule of if in doubt leave it out so without the fire stops basically what you've got here is a chimney you've got a chimney and you've helped it along because you've got flammable material so you imagine if your chimney drawers at home you know how it works you light the fire here the draft goes up warm to the chimney and out it comes at the top so you imagine that all round that tower they basically had a chimney the air comes in and the flames come out the top no wonder it burnt down so quickly and so devastatingly the concrete was fine the concrete wasn't in any way compromised but it was the cladding that caught fire and had disastrous effects because obviously as the cladding went out it went back in the windows there back in the windows there back in the windows there and so you had quite literally a towering inferno now we had another case in southeast london where they had a block of flats timber frame flats and they caught fire and it was 12 minutes from the building catching fire to the point where it was actually raised to the ground and the only reason that nobody died in that fire is because the tenants had or the tenants the owners of the occupiers whoever they were had the good sense to get out as soon as they smelled smoke they started telling everybody else the fire alarm's going and off they went they all got out without a single loss of life or injury which is absolutely miraculous so there's a lesson in life smell smoke run like why do mistakes like this continue to happen at some point you have to lay it at the feet of the people that are in charge the government those sort of people they have regulators already we have tests in place where we can test building materials and of course they're all deemed to be safe so quite what this regulator is going to do about it we do not know because if you've got your test houses like you've got the building research establishment which incidentally tested these materials and found them to be suitable and then we find out that later the materials were changed so they weren't the same materials as being tested and i've seen that many many times in the building industry they make a product they get it through the test then they tweak it slightly and they don't bother telling everybody because if you do tell everybody it's another few thousand pounds and another couple of years while they tinker about and they test it and come up with all the certificates exactly the same thing you've got the british board of agrimont and you've got all kinds of other test houses where they test products but if the product they've tested isn't the product that's used that is a problem but of course the other thing that you've got to look at is that if you test these products you really have got to work on the worst case scenario in other words if a product is put into a building and that 
performance of that product is so dependent upon a high skill of craftsmanship, labor, and diligence, then quite frankly, in mass house building, it ain't gonna happen. Believe me, I've been on so many sites, people just do, again, if in doubt, leave it out. They just cut corners, they're not supervised. I'm not saying it's the guy's fault who are building the places. Sometimes, as in the case of these panels, they didn't line up. What are they gonna do? They're on a schedule, they've gotta get the things built. They can't bring the whole thing to a halt. And of course, that's one of the problems that we have all the way through. It's kind of systemic because if we look at it, what have we got here? We've got a government made up of whichever party got the most votes. The opposition basically are sitting on the outside just catcalling and making life difficult for the government. But the government has ministries, health, education. There are obviously many more, but the idea is that each one of those departments has a minister and those ministers form the government cabinet. All the ministers are appointed by one person, that's the prime minister, and the prime minister decides who's gonna get those jobs. Those people stay in those posts and sometimes they shuffle around, you know, they move them around. So it may be that the minister for health ends up getting education or even transport. Now, what do they know about these subjects? Absolutely nothing. They're guided by advisors and civil servants. And of course, they all come together and they all meet and they all chat and they all mull over whatever policy they're trying to put in place. But of course, if they're awkward, if they're people that rock the boat slightly, then the prime minister is gonna to wanna to move them on. To a certain extent, they've gotta do the prime minister's bidding, whatever that is, and they've gotta just tow the line. And if they don't tow the line, they're out and somebody else is in. So they fear for their jobs. They're trying to keep in, they're trying to curry favor. So if there's a cabinet meeting and they don't agree with something, they're under pressure to kind of go along with it. And that's happened time and time again in government, in all these different departments, you have people who are basically yes men and yes women sitting around trying to curry favor with the prime minister. Some people disagree so much that they resign from the cabinet, but all too often they sit there and they keep stum. In those ministries in Whitehall, they all try to build their own little empire. You know, they're very cozy in there and they've got civil servants in there. Some of the civil servants have hung around a while. Some of them will actually know something about health. But a lot of the time, those civil servants are dodging from department to department, ever looking for promotion and they move on at alarming speed. So the expertise isn't in the people. We don't have a minister for health who is actually a doctor. We don't have a minister for education who is actually a teacher. We don't have a minister for transport who is actually a lorry driver or anything like this. These people just do not know very much about their subject in the main. But they're quick learners, they're bright people, and they've got their heart in the right place. So they try their best. And on the outside, of course, we've got the opposition, we've got the shadow Home Secretary back in Corbyn's government, that was Diane Abbott, and you might ask what Diane Abbott knows about the Home Office. Well, apparently, Diane Abbott worked in the Home Office as a civil servant, so she's got a little bit of inside knowledge. You know, they could have given her education, but she can't add up, but you get the drift. That's the problem we've got here. To a certain extent, you get somebody like Tony Blair coming in, for example. He's won the election and uh, he's gonna fix the NHS. What is he gonna fix? He's got, oh, well, the nurses aren't getting paid enough. Well, we won't worry about that just yet. We'll fix 
fix that later, you know. So so what else? Oh, the hospitals are falling apart. Well, we won't worry about that. We'll fix that later. Well, we need more cleaners. We need more staff. And oh, well, we won't worry about that. What Tony was, was focused on, if you like, was the NHS needed to communicate better. All those different hospitals around the country, all those different GP surgeries, they all needed to feed in and communicate better with each other. So what we do is we build them a bloody great computer so that they can all feed their information into it and that would be a wonderful thing and because they're all feeding their information into it we won't be working in sort of remote corners we, we'll all be just feeding off each other and who knows the cure to cancer could be lying on somebody's desk it just hasn't been turned up for a while and it might be under their cheese sandwich or something but anyway you get the drift if we get them all communicating it's an absolutely wonderful idea who knows about computers well it isn't it definitely isn't the minister for health is it you know that's not what they came to the, the thing we, we need a geek you know we go to the Americans because Tony Blair loves Americans you know he loves the whole smile because Tony Blair he's got a big smile that he, he incidentally they do say that if anybody holds a smile for more than four seconds don't trust them because it's fake and of course when you look around at these smiling politicians you can kind of see that Tony Blair he meets the Americans and he's totally seduced by them. He doesn't worry about the detail. Costa, we can deal with that later. They managed to sell him this package where they start building this massive great computer. They start building this software, none of it works. They go back to the Americans. The Americans, don't worry, we can fix it. We just need a little bit more money, that's all. Give us a little bit more money, we'll fix it in no time. 24 billion pounds later 24 billion pounds i've got no idea what 24 billion pounds looks like but i bet you couldn't get it in the back of my van 24 billion pounds later they decide they're going to pull the plug on this yeah it's gone on long enough slightly over budget let's scrap it let's do away with it so 24 billion pound black hole let's call that right 24 billion i don't even know how to write the billion and they pull the plug on it and the only reason I'm mentioning this really, well, apart from to embarrass Tony Blair and he ought to be embarrassed, that could have built 35 brand new hospitals, fully equipped, ready to go, or they could have given the nurses a rise, or they could have employed more cleaners, or they could have just done anything you like. But no, they up against the wall they gave it to a load of software companies it was never seen again is tony blair embarrassed by this apparently not because he had another american mate by that time and he was thinking about basically iraq if you look in tony blair's memoir a journey you look through and you try to find his reference to this because he must have something to say about it one of those moments where he just thought well i've got that slightly wrong it'd be nice to see that little bit of humility wouldn't it but no absolutely nothing in his autobiography he just doesn't mention it brush it under the carpet doesn't matter move on iraq what does he say about Iraq? Well, he says he was right. He just got the fine detail, the end bit wrong. You know, basically a good idea getting rid of Saddam Hussein. He just didn't really think the thing through as to what he was going to do with a country once it was lawless and it had warring factions. I mean, they go back. That history goes back, doesn't it? It was no surprise. Loads and loads of people were telling him. Were the people in the cabinet telling him? Well, a couple of them were. Cook, for example, resigned on it. But most of them just kept stum and went with it. So this is what we've got. This is what we've got in every single department. So the idea that we're going to employ a regulator and he's going to sort these problems out is, to my mind, 
just pie in the sky. It's another idea. Let's form another compartment. We've already got compartments. We've already got trading standards. We've already got the health and safety executive. So we don't really need another regulator to tell us what we already know, which is that building materials should be safe and fit for purpose. But of course, that's only half a story because even if you get the most perfect product in the world and you put it into a building, you've got the application you've got the labor so again it comes down to this thing of if it is that critical and it relies on that degree of expertise and diligence then it needs redesigning find a way of doing it which makes it foolproof in other words in the case of grenfell tower use cladding which isn't flammable and there are plenty around rock wall is a perfectly good mineral wall product which would have done the job and cannot catch fire simple but now of course we've got the problem here of all those people living in all those buildings and we're talking about tower blocks all over the country we're also talking about timber frame houses where the people don't actually know whether the fire stops have been put in or not because nobody was checking so we've got all those people sitting in properties that they can't sell they can't insure they can't afford to rectify so in the case of somebody living in a tower block for example if they own that flat it may be costing them thirty thousand pounds to have their bit of that tower block redone the cladding comes off they put the new cladding on with the new mineral fiber in it or whatever they're going to do it needs doing and of course it's unreasonable to expect those people who bought those houses in good faith thinking that there was a department in the government that was taking care of business to now find out that that's not the case so are they going to shell out are the builders going to shell out are the government going to shell out because if a government's going to shell out that's you and me by the way it's unlikely to be the people who made the materials because they had the materials passed the reason that i'm so angry about this whole situation is because it doesn't just happen here that 24 billion pounds that was spent there typical of money which is squandered in all these different departments we're now looking at hs2 and who knows that's obviously gonna treble quadruple in cost obviously we've got to do these things we've got to have infrastructure we've got to move forward but we really need to analyze whether we need these things whether it's a good use of money and whether we ought to do something else because the worst thing you can do is throw a load of money at it and then pull the plug on it and we've had loads and loads of cases where that happened and if you look at it you look, just look at the fiascos that have gone on over the years with all kinds of things like the public private partnership in the London Underground where they just spent loads and loads and loads of money and most of it on lawyers talking to each other all the different departments and of course it achieved a little bit but it achieved nothing like it should have achieved and one of the people that that, that was really against it obviously was on the outside of it was uh, the mayor of London which is uh, Ken Livingstone and Ken Livingstone was vociferous and anti it they sidelined Ken Livingstone as some kind of nutter some kind of troublemaker and put him out on the outside which he may well be but of course he was absolutely right in the case of the public-private partnership it was a disaster so of course then you've got the Treasury haven't you and the fiasco with the ERM which John Major took us into and that ended up costing us billions and billions of pounds to try and prop up the pound against George Soros 
speculation him and many more who reputedly made a billion pounds in a day on that little fiasco before we pulled the plug on it and do they say anything about that do these people get sacked no they don't get sacked they get promoted and if you look at people like tony blair there was a suggestion that he ought to be running the covid19 vaccination program i mean what does he know about that for god's sake he's just proved he knows nothing about the health system we put somebody like that in charge of it stick to property speculation tony blair because that's what you're good at obviously he's accrued a 35 million pound portfolio of property and his kids have also got one so they're all doing rather well which just goes to show that hard work pays off if you're thinking about becoming a bricklayer just setting out in life don't do it follow the lead of tony blair's kids get yourself into buy to lets and you'll make a fortune you'll never make that money working so you look at john major john major still hanging around like a bad smell trying to influence matters he thinks he knows something about the economy honestly he nearly bankrupted this country and of course he's the man who wanted to take us into the euro and if we'd gone into the euro everybody who knows anything about economics would tell you that the euro is a disaster and the only reason the euro is still there is because nobody wants to admit defeat all those people in brussels do not want to admit that the euro has been a massive mistake which has plunged southern europe into a permanent recession it has absolutely decimated their economies and put everybody in the hands of the germans except us of course because we never went into the euro but we have the good sense of the british people to thank for that and there's a lot of things that need fixing in this country and one of the things which is most urgent is that we really need to start building homes for young people that they can afford and this idea that we were going to have this help to buy scheme which would get all these young people on the foot of the property ladder as they call it i hate this idea that property is about speculation houses are for living in not for making money out of it but everybody thinks of it as a market as something that you speculate on so all those people who are only owning buy to lets all those those people of my age who've got two or three properties are doing very very nicely and the poor kids have never got a chance of getting on that ladder if you like I've never got a chance of getting themselves a first decent home. They're going to be living in private rented accommodation for the rest of their life. That is totally wrong. And if ever there was a reason why young people ought to take to the streets and go out onto Westminster Bridge and protest, it is that because they are being sold down the river. They are being cheated out of the thing that people of my age were able to get. Sure, we had to work hard for it. We had to get our mortgages. We had to go without things. But at least we got a property which was worth living in. So we need to build good homes for people. We need to build them effectively. We need to build them safely. We need to build them well. And we've got to stop just chasing the money, chasing the money, chasing the money on this and get on with it. But of course that won't happen because you get things like the buy to let scheme. And what does the buy to let scheme do? The buy to let scheme has actually just pushed the prices up. The way to bring the prices down is to build more houses, not give people loans and quasi deals where they own a tiny percentage of a house and the government is holding the rest of it. That's absolute rubbish. So the way to take the sting out of property, the way to take the price out of it, if you like, are the ever rising prices is to release more land because it's the land that people are speculating on, get those houses built 
and take the speculation element away from it. And of course, Harold Wilson did that with all his council houses that he built. And of course, Margaret Thatcher sold them off. And of course, we sold off everything, didn't we? We sold off the water to the Chinese, the electricity to the French, the gas, everything's gone. And you've got to think if it was worth them buying, it was worth us keeping. No doubt you'll have some comments. No doubt some of you will have unsubscribed and gone ages ago because you don't want to hear this stuff. You just want to block up your ears and, and have people that agree with you, which is another problem in the world. Basically, what we've got there is the same thing, an echo chamber where people talk to each other and agree with each other, and anyone that doesn't agree is pushed out, sidelined. And that is the characteristic of our age, and that is doing us a lot of damage. I'm Roger Bisbee, come back to see me soon. There'll be more on Skill Builder, some of it you might even like.